Thank you so much for those times of worship we share together, and let's continue with that in the, in the study of the Word of God. I invite you, if you want, you can open to Psalm 104, your Bible, or the Bible in the pew rack. It's the passage that Lisa read to us earlier, and by the way, when she came up and said she ran up from the, from the youth gathering, I want to thank her and all the other members of what is referred to as the V-team for the youth Many of you will have noticed that Jonathan is not with us. He has not been with us since he left on vacation at Thanksgiving. He went to see his mother. Many of you will be aware that Pastor Jonathan's mother is now in hospice care. And uh, after speaking with him uh, last week and reaffirming that two nights ago as we were on the phone, uh, his mother is a longtime follower of Jesus Christ. She is up in years and in her communication, she says she is ready to, to go home. And so our prayers are with Jonathan, with the family, uh, as they wait for that moment to come, and I just encourage them to stay there, right? I mean, he's vital to us, but uh, you only got one mom is one of the things I was taught to say when I was a kid. You only got one mom. And so we've encouraged him to stay there uh, hopefully be there at the right timing for him and his family. It's just him and his sister to help take care of her and to oversee that. And so our prayers are for them. And to have all this going on at the Christmas season, uh, encourage them to stay there together. And thank you, V-Team, for all of your help. I also want to say to the church family, uh, thank you for your prayers and thoughts as yesterday we celebrated the home going for Emmanuel Johnson. He passed about six weeks ago, but in the tradition that we followed, a, a time passed to allow family to gather from around the world, given his roots in Liberia. We had folks from Australia, from Liberia, from around the world yesterday here in that service, probably about three or 400 people is my guess. And it was a beautiful service, a beautiful graveside service as well, where we celebrated that home going. Traditions are important. And today, as we talk about the Scriptures, we're talking about another tradition, kind of. I'm referring to Psalm 104 today as a Christmas card from God. We're not going to work our way through the passage. We're going to use it like a Christmas card. When you get a Christmas card, it doesn't normally tell the whole story. It's a reminder to you of the season that we're in and the big picture that's what's going on. And that's what Psalm 104 does for us as it talked about the creation of the world as it set a tone. And, and so when we enjoy the trees and the lights and thanks to to Barry and the crew who pitched in to get our decorations up. Thank you for the spirit that we have in here, those traditions of trees and wreaths and lights. It's wonderful. Some of you can't wait to get into the traditional foods. I've been, I've been running my 5K every other day, and my wife goes and makes peanut butter fudge last night. We won't talk about that. Some of you may be fruitcake people. God bless you, whomever you may be. Maybe it's beverages like eggnog or spiced cider or whatever. Uh, maybe, you know, in our home, the tradition is the Christmas village that takes days to, say, to set up. And this year, we have a new house in the Christmas village in honor of the new member of our family, the new dog, Pimenta. We now have a veterinary clinic in our Christmas village. <laughs> Christmas stockings by the fireplace at my house and yours. And I wonder, I know people don't send out as many paper cards as they used to. But uh, if you're like us, we send them to out-of-town family in particular. Or we send them to people that, that you know, you, you don't get to see very often, but you really want to have that special connection. I, I heard a great story one time about a woman 
who she waited until the last minute to send out her Christmas cards. So at the last second, she dashes into CVS, picks up the, the, one of the last boxes of Christmas cards that are there. She grabs them, 50 in the box. She has 49 friends that she needs them for. Perfect set. She grabs them. She goes home real quick, gets them all addressed, gets the stamps on, gets them out the door, and is so relieved to have it done. Finally, life calms down on Christmas Eve as she sits down to enjoy Christmas uh, with her family, and she sees the one leftover card, and she takes a glance because she had not really paid that much attention to the message. Here's what it said. This card is sent to you just to say a special gift is on its way. <laughs> and she realized she had to go shopping for 49 gifts. Uh, so here's the good news for you. God promised you a gift in His Christmas card, and He has delivered. Uh, he promised it in the Old Testament. He reiterated it in the New. He fulfilled it. Sometimes it's, it's obvious, and sometimes we need a little help remembering and spotting the gift. So, James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God sent us a brightly lit Christmas card, a heavenly Christmas card, to communicate to us a part of His message. So, if you're looking at Psalm 104, we're going to use that as kind of a jumping spot for several other passages to match the message. Psalm 104 kind of gets started by talking about the fantastic gifts that God has given, one of the very first gifts, in fact, the gift of creation. The gift of creation. Talks about the waters and, and, the, and the beautiful earth and every creature that God has created. And it reminds me of Genesis 1, of course, and that ultimate of creation in 26 to 28 when he says, God created humankind, mankind, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them, and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God's great creation. So when you walk outside today and we celebrate the beauty of the playground and the nature that we built it into, and this is a beautiful location that we have here as a church, a great gift from God, it should remind us that God has created the whole world for us. It was given to us to take care of as a sign, as a card to remind us of God's love, God's provision, God's generosity. And so, so that that woman who sent out the Christmas cards sent them as a message of a coming signal of love, and that's kind of how the psalmist is thinking. He's, he's talking about this creation. It's a way of reminding us of God's love and provision. When he wrote in Psalm 104 that he was marveling at the sight of God's gift of creation, how it spoke to him of how much God cared for him. See, I just remind, think then about David who's writing this psalm. David, this former shepherd boy, he's up on a hillside. Maybe, maybe he's up there with a, uh, some sheep, right? He's feeling the wind on his face. He's watching the trees blow in the wind. Maybe he happens to be on one of those higher mountains where you can actually see the Mediterranean Ocean. Maybe he's up on a, a hillside where he sees the streams. Maybe he's looking down uh, on, the, on the sea. I, I, I don't know. 
Maybe he's just looking on a beautiful green valley below. But it strikes him as he looks out across creation just how wonderful God is and how much God cares for him. That's the purpose of God's Christmas card, to remind you that you are loved and provided for this Christmas season. Now, Romans 1.20 says this, since the creation of the world, wow, okay, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Now, see, one of the great concerns of people that we hear said sometimes, maybe year-round, especially at Christmas, we'll hear people say, it should be Christmas all year long. We should be aware of God all year long, like George Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life, right? And, and David, in his Psalm 104, Paul, as he writes Romans, they understood that in creation, God has given us a sign for every day. So the problem is not the lack of a sign, my friends, it's a lack of our attention to what God has put before us, and we miss the sign. A while back, my wife and I took a, I accompanied her on her business trip to Arizona. I went along for the ride. You all know that's kind of how I roll. We rented a car. We made a quick drive up to Sedona and Flagstaff, and we visited the Lowell Observatory, and it was just amazing. You look out, and you see all these great things. Many of you here are, are, are scientists. You understand. You were engineers. You, you love this kind of stuff. So do I. We visited a little teaching museum they had next door. Now, I'm not a scientist. My wife is. My wife is, is far above me in these things. I like the simple ones. And so I liked it when I got to this sign. I'm going to ask them to put up. See, when you're trying to understand that thing you look at, you are here in the Milky Way. That's a sign I can get behind. That's a display that I understand. God created it all, and He made this earth for us as a reminder of His great goodness. When I saw that sign, it wasn't hard to figure out. I'm really, really small, but God is really, really big. Dr. Werner von Braun, who was the scientist who helped one of the scientists who helped launch our nation's rocket program, space program, he, he wrote this, one cannot be exposed to the law and order of the universe without concluding that there must be design and purpose behind it all. The better we understand the intricacies of the universe and all it harbors, the more reason we have found to marvel at the inherent design upon which it is based." In other words, this great and famous scientist said, all this world points to a marvelous creator. In the law and order of the universe, the scientist sees God's handiwork. Now, I often hear, oh, you get science and all that stuff, it leads away from God. No, 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 no. If you are with eyes to see and ears to hear, it amazes you, the marvelous grace of God and His provision. But not everybody sees it that way. Not, not everybody does. Romans 1, 18 through 23, here's the balance side, unfortunately. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain. For since the creation of the world, there it is, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. 
For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Now, I I say this to you to say that Romans, the book of Romans tells us there are people who look at creation and deliberately ignore God. It's, It's not that He cannot be seen. Don't believe it for a second. According to the Bible, it's because they choose not to see. Now, you might say, why in the world would that be? Why would people not want to see God? Well, I think we all know the three-letter word that sin is part of what leads us in that direction, right? Sin causes a lot of people to want to hide from God, to want to deny that He exists. The Bible says here in Romans that people refuse to see the truth. It's a deliberate choice they're making. And you might say, I don't know how much that's true. Dr. Carl Menninger, the great psychiatrist, he once said, if I could convince people in psychiatric hospitals that their sins were forgiven, 75% of them could go home tomorrow. But he said their sins keep them in a mental prison because of their guilt, because they refuse to see the God who offers forgiveness and the forgiveness that is there. Does that sound at all familiar? Remember back at the beginning, Adam and Eve sinned. What do they do? Cover up. Try to create gap. Hid from God. They hid from… They chose. They knew God was real, and they tried to hide. It causes us to flee. This God that loves us, this God who has given us so much. But here's what we all understand, and this is why God has sent us this Christmas card, because it's hard to feel, to embrace, to accept the love of God when you're buried under a ton of guilt of sin. And that's why if you have your Bible open to 104, you might have been reading around it. If you've got a notebook Bible or one of those study Bibles, it, you might have seen it said it was actually a song sung by the Jews during the Day of Atonement. That special day for the Jewish people, that one day of the year where the high priest would make the sacrifice the sacrifice for all the sins of all the people. He would go into the Holy of Holies, into God's presence. He would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat, and the sins of the people would be covered. The sins of the people would be forgiven. You see, it was during the holy day of atonement that Israelites could sense that closeness to God because they believed, they affirmed that their sins were forgiven. It was during the holy day that they were reminded that the barrier that had stood between them and God had been broken down. And it was during this holy day of atonement that the people of God could again sense what David had described in Psalm 104, a God who's not just there, and by the way, that would be Emmanuel, God with us, but a God who also cared and provided for them. God loves us. Emmanuel, God with us. It's what we celebrate at Christmas. I want to close with this story. Years ago, I, when you're a missionary, you collect missionary stories. I, I heard the story of a missionary team that had been invited to Russia to teach Christianity. It was at Christmas time, like our Philippines team that is taking their trip. 
And as they taught the story of the birth of Jesus at an orphanage, you've seen this scene before. I mean, they're just, the kids are just enamored. They are, they are just in the story. They are absolutely amazed. Many of them, and they said many of the staff who were present had not heard the story completely before. You have to remember communism had greatly suppressed the teaching of Scriptures, even with the Russian Orthodox Church in existence. So it was news to many of them. And one missionary wrote, one member of the team, he said, we gave the children some materials. We told them to create the manger scene that physically that they had just heard about. And everything was going pretty well until I got to this one table where a little child named Misha sat. He looked to be about six years old. He had just finished his project. But as I looked at the little boy's manger, I was startled to see not one, but two babies in the crib. I called for a translator to ask him why he had two babies. And as he looked and explained his manger scene, the child began to repeat the story accurately, the story of Mary and Joseph and the, the cattle stall and the no room at the end. And then he comes to the part where Mary put the baby Jesus in the manger. And then Misha began to ad-lib his own ending to the story. He said, and then when Mary laid the baby in the manger, Jesus looked at me and asked me if I had a place to stay. I told him, I have no mama, no papa, I don't have a place to stay. And Jesus said, you can stay with me. <laughs> I love that story. You can tell. I can't read. I've read it all week long trying to get over the crying. I can't do it. Jesus said I could stay with him. Not just in the manger, but I could stay with him forever. This is what the Christmas card is about. With Jesus, we have someone who will never leave us or forsake us. That's why Jesus was sent. That's why he came to complete God's message of love. It is a great Christmas card to us. And one of my favorite Christmas card messages is the one usually credited to Max Lucado. It says this, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But our greatest need was forgiveness, and God sent us a Savior. Thanks be to God this Christmas for his indescribable gift and his gift through Jesus Christ, his son. And all God's people agreed and said, amen. amen.